today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. In the throes of inflation, and uh, we're going to talk about, uh, well, trying to buy food these days and what we're doing to cope, and that's a, a pretty dire circumstance for some folks. And through it all, uh, we're watching what the uh, Bank of Canada is doing with the interest rate ri- increases that have been going on for the last little while. Yesterday, the uh, governor of the Bank of Canada, uh, Tip McMillan, made a, a speech up in Ottawa, and he says unemployment will rise if the country falls into recession. But he also told reporters that job losses won't reach the level seen in past economic downturns. We don't expect a large increase in unemployment uh, in the way we've seen in past recessions. We're not expecting high unemployment by historical standards. Uh, the title of the article, by the way, that covered this says, uh, we will come out of this, according to Tiff Macklin. I want to bring uh, Moshe Lander into the conversation. Moshe, of course, is a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University. Uh, always a pleasure, Moshe. Thanks for the time today. My pleasure. Uh, was, uh, was this Tiff Macklin's We Have Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself speech? Sure. Well, I mean, I like the idea that we will come out of this. But what what are we going to say? This is a recession that will last forever. We'll never come out of it. Of course, we're <laughs> going to come out of it, right? And uh, when he's saying that we're not going to see uh, unemployment rise as high as it has in the past, that's because we're more or less at record lows right now. So even if it goes up the normal three to six percentage points, when you start from a lower base, you end up at a, a lower, higher number, right? Uh, that's the math I would figure on, yeah. So the, so he's really kind of stating the obvious, isn't he? It is, but he has to state the obvious, right? This is kind of uh, 1980s-style Kremlinology, right? That if he's coming out and saying something that's going to spook the market or that's going to cause panic, he's supposed to be above that. He cannot be political. He can't be involved in those sorts of things. So, yeah, he does come out and state the obvious, but he states it in a way that's meant to soothe and calm rather than create fear and panic. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, we usually never hear from the governors of the Bank of Canada. And so the fact that he's coming out uh, is itself a sign of maybe increased transparency, uh, but also at the same time, still not saying anything. Yeah, because I, well, maybe it's because of the pushback over the last couple of weeks, because we've started to see some of the effects of the higher interest rates on our everyday lives. And let's face it, that, that does affect not just mortgages, but a lot of other things that are going on in our lives, food prices and things of this nature. And and there's, I, I guess, a lot of a lot of bad will being directed to the Bank of Canada. And I, the, the tone of the speech seemed to be, we're not bad guys. We're doing what we need to do. And I know it's going to hurt, but it's the th- it's what we have to do. That's exactly right. And it, and what's really dangerous is that a lot of that bad uh, press has been coming from politicians. And so for the better part of the last 30 years, the understanding is that the Bank of Canada is there for one mission, and that's to keep inflation low. Uh, and no politician of any party questions that mandate and the, the role of the Bank of Canada. Uh, when you now have politicians left and right that are coming out and questioning the integrity of the Bank of Canada... Uh, for sure, then that's giving carte blanche then to Canadians as a whole to start questioning uh, the Bank of Canada. And so, yeah, I, I think that there's now a little bit of pressure that they need to come out and be a little forceful in saying, this is not our doing, right? We are not the ones that are causing high inflation. Just take a look around the world. And Canada's actually been doing relatively better than a lot of those other countries at controlling inflation. But uh, I don't think that they're doing it for uh, self-aggrandizement or any sort of uh, you know, praise. It's just don't blame us for the the current situation the world's in. Well, there's two uh, two elements of that. First of all, and when people complain, invariably they call their elected officials and say, "What are you going to do about it?" So they're feeling pressure. I understand that. I've been in that seat of myself many years ago. The other element, though, as you say, is is 
some politicians look at this as a, as a, a wedge issue uh, to try to take down the government or, you know, get popular support. I mean, you've got the opposition leader that says he'll probably ban the Bank of Canada. He doesn't believe in world markets or any of this stuff. Uh, I don't know what his rationalization is for that. But when people are ticked off about things, they, they start to gravitate toward those things. And the more that happens, the more he's going to do it, I suppose. And that's only throwing gasoline on the fire, isn't it? It is. And, and the fact that you're now seeing him come out and say things is itself inviting criticism that, wait a second, are, are you trying to influence politics? Are you trying to be political yourself? If you're responding to politicians, then are you not being political uh, in that engagement there? And I thought you're not supposed to be a part of that. So, you know, anybody who wants to criticize the Bank of Canada is now going to be even more inflamed at the idea of who are you to question me? You're not even elected. I'm the one who has to answer to, uh, you know, my local riding or to the party that I represent. Or So it, it's kind of a no-win situation for the Bank of Canada, but I think in, in assessing which one is more damaging, just staying above the fray and not commenting or going in front of an open microphone, or I think even in the summer they were even tweeting out ideas that, hey, this isn't us. Um, I think they've decided that that's the, the least damaging role for them to play and again, as long as you don't say anything that spooks the markets, as long as you aren't contributing to any sort of economic turbulence, um, then I, I guess that's maybe the safest way to go. And that's why I said that it's, it's, it's kind of the obvious thing that he's saying. You mentioned just a second ago, and I, I'm intrigued by, like you say, the employment numbers, because usually uh, in situations like this, as you say, there's the concern about job loss. I mean, as as, as the increases in, in interest rates continue, uh, you expect there's going to be a slowdown in production, and that usually means job loss. Since we're already starting at a pretty good level right now, is that going to be significant? So usually in a recession, you would see inflate, uh, inflation. unemployment numbers go up, say, 3 to 6 percentage points. So if we're starting around 5.2, if we saw it go up to, say, 8 percent, that would be within the normal realm of things. But the interesting bit is um, we're right now in a situation where with these low unemployment numbers, there's also huge numbers of vacancies. And so Tiff Macklin himself was saying that he thinks that the likeliest outcome is that if we do go into some economic slowdown, Rather than firing workers, we're much more likely to just take down the job wanted ads. So it's possible that we might still end up with 5.2% unemployment in the middle of a recession without the 3 to 6 percentage point increase, because firms just decide that, you know what, there's no point in even filling this vacancy. And the other way that you could do it is you could say it's so difficult to find workers these days by all those job vacancies that what we're going to do with our workers is rather than fire them, we're going to say, look, here's the deal. We're not going to fire you, but we're not going to give you a raise either. So just please don't ask. I know inflation is tough, but just this is better than losing your job outright. And what we're going to do is for your frozen wages, pay you to just come to the office and we're going to do some of the grunt work. We're going to do some of the basic cleaning up that we should have done or the reorganization. Or we're going to go into that uh, room at the back that has all of the garbage and try and organize it. And that's the way that we're going to fill our time until our customers come back and, and start with order fulfillment. He, he he got into some interesting uh, uh, possibilities, I guess, because you've you've talked to us in the past about you know how uh, uh, this works, and if we do dip into recession, this is what a recession is. And I think last conversation you and I talked about you know the official definition of a recession, you know, two negative quarters. Uh, and and he seemed to hint indicate yesterday that because of the stuff you've just talked about, including the employment situation, this quote unquote mild recession that we may fall into may just be two quarters of of zero flat growth. In other words, not negative, but just not growth. Uh, and, and that may be as bad as it gets. I know that may be wishful thinking, but the fact that he floated that idea means it's a possibility, I guess. 
Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's it, if you only end up with a mild recession or with just a slowdown in growth, um, he, he didn't say anything at all about what comes on the other side, right? Is that going to be followed then by strong, aggressive growth, or will it be by muted growth, right? So, you know, if I offered you, say, you can have a 2% wage increase every year uh, forever, or you can have 4% in alternate years and 0% in the other alternate years, you're still averaging essentially 2%. Uh, but the idea of 4 and 0 looks volatile, 2% looks nice and smooth. So maybe what we're going to head for is a very, very mild recession or a very, very brief slowdown in growth, but the growth on the other side is not going to be particularly substantial as opposed to the wild fluctuations that we've seen in the past. So it's not to say that the business cycle is dead. It's just maybe not as volatile as it used to be, and maybe that's the, the new way things will go. And, and as you've reminded us, as just we finish off our conversation here this morning, maybe it's worth repeating. I, I, matter of fact, I know it's worth repeating. Uh, notwithstanding what some of the politicians say, this is not a Canadian problem. This is a global problem. Everybody's going through this now. It is. And, and you know, you take a look at uh, other rich countries, take a look at their inflation numbers, take a look at their GDP numbers, take a look at their unemployment numbers, take a look at their government debt uh, to GDP numbers, take a look at the size of their deficits. Canada is actually in really good shape. And that's kind of saying that I guess we're like the least sick uh, of, of all of the countries out there. But that's something to hang your hat on these days, that uh, if everybody else is, is in bad shape, uh, we're at least holding up better than everybody else, which means then that when we recover, we should be first out of the gate to recovery, uh, or our recovery might be stronger than the others because we're, we're better able to withstand whatever we're going to see in 2023. Sounds like that light at the end of the tunnel that we've been talking about. Moshe, thanks so much for this, as always. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk again down the road. Anytime. Take care. Take care. Moshe Landers, Senior Economics Lecturer at Concordia University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.